What is up, ambitious listeners? Welcome back to the show. My name is Dylan Price. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen into today's episode. Today's episode is fantastic. I have a great guest with me on today from CTV out in Calgary, Alberta, in the country of Canada. It is Mark Villani. Mark is a news reporter as well as a sports reporter. While he covers sports, one of his primary focuses is the Calgary Flames, who are in the Stanley Cup playoffs, looking to make it to the Western Conference Finals, and vie for one of the most prestigious trophies in North American sports. Mark is also a diehard Jets fan like myself, so we talk about some of the misery and optimism that come with doning the green and white. Mark is also a fantastic marathon runner, posting a three-hour and nine-minute marathon for his personal best, which is just astounding. And Mark and I also talk about some of the nuances as a reporting, some of the favorite work he's done to this point. And it's truly one of my favorite conversations I've done with another journalist. And Mark is such a kind man, such a great interview, and a really fantastic human being. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode as much as I did. And it's coming at you right after a quick word from our presenting sponsor, Liquid IV. It is officially summer. And as the temps get hotter and the sun burns brighter, you're going to need to stay hydrated. You're going to need to keep that energy up to enjoy all the hours of sunshine provided throughout your summer. And the best way to stay hydrated and maintain that energy and focus is with Liquid IV, the one-stop shop for hydration, energy, and all that good stuff you can get with these supplements. My favorite flavors are passion fruit and lemon ginger. I've always loved those. I know I've been giving out some of my liquid IV flavors to some of my friends as well, getting them to sample it as well. They've tried the peach flavor or the pear flavor, I think it is. It, it was fantastic. I tried it myself. Great flavor. Liquid IV just keeps coming out with innovative flavors. They are wherever you look at this point. I remember when they started on this podcast, it was just liquidiv.com or check out liquid IV socials. Nope. Whatever store you go to pretty much at this point, Liquid IV is there. Liquid IV is a fantastic supplement, as I mentioned, for hydration, refuel your energy, and do it in a healthy manner. All you have to do is pop one of these packets in with a water and get on with your day. Liquid IV is a fantastic product that I drink on the regular, and I could not recommend it enough. So please check out Liquid IV in your local stores, as well as liquidiv.com. That's liquidiv.com. And now back to the show. What is up and welcome to Ambitious. My name is Dylan Price and joining me today is a hockey aficionado from CTV. He's also a miserable Jets fan just like myself. Also talked a little bit off air. He also roots for the Leafs as well. So he's a pure underdog supporter through and through. But today he's joining the show to talk all things NHL, some playoffs, some New York Jets, some reporting and really just kind of talking about it all and talking about our uh, miserable fandoms on both ends. But So joining me today is a absolute great reporter and a new friend of the show, Mark Villani. Mark, how's it going? Good. Thanks, Dylan. Thanks for having me on the show. It's, uh, it's exciting to be here talking about our miserable hockey and football. <laughs> Let's do it up. Well, happy to have you on and kind of just to get things rolling, um, from what point were you interested in getting into journalism and reporting? Well, I kind of started when I was about 16 years old. I I always loved like, uh, you know, the, the 
getting involved in uh, in writing stories and, and you know kind of curious about what's going on around me in the community. So I actually ended up starting with uh, the Calgary Sun, which is a, a, a paper here in, in, in my city, my hometown of Calgary, Alberta, and did some freelance work with them, uh, basically just begging them, saying, "Hey, can I write a, can I write an article here or there?" I ended up doing some like good news features, basically for them. And the more and more I started writing um, and meeting different people in the community, the more I got interested in uh, telling stories with pictures and uh, getting more involved in television and radio. And it just kind of kickstarted from there. Um, you know, I, I, I've gone from doing overnight radio and freelance writing to uh, moving away to small town British Columbia, Prince George, BC, to middle of nowhere, Saskatchewan, uh, covering a, a bunch of uh, small towns in there and Saskatoon areas where I worked primarily for about a year there. And then finally making my way back to Calgary. So it's been a lot of fun. So it's been quite the ride, and now you're doing a little bit of work for the Calgary Flames. I also was checking out some of your YouTube videos, and it's not just sports reporting, which is a little atypical to some of the guests I've had on before. You've done a lot of, as you just mentioned, reporting in communities, reporting on stuff that's lighthearted, reporting on stuff that's not necessarily the most fun to report. So just kind of talking from someone who we were just talking off air, I have an interest in getting involved in broadcasting and journalism. What is a piece of advice you'd give to somebody who has to report some of those harder stories? and some of those stories with some more emotional depth and grit? I would say uh, the biggest piece of advice is be human, um, especially when you're covering those really difficult stories and dealing with people that have lost just about everything. You know, uh, you, talk about, you talk to the family members of somebody who, um, you know, has just been killed or, you know, a tragedy that's happened in the community. I remember even covering the, uh, the Humboldt Broncos bus crash um, when, uh, when that junior hockey team in Saskatchewan um, about uh, 16, 17 players there uh, killed in that unfortunate, unfortunate crash. But just talking to some of the family members and, and putting yourself in those, in those shoes of, of, of the people that you're interviewing, being human, um, realizing that, hey, you know, getting to the root of a story is more about, uh, you know, relating to the person than it is, you know, just demanding answers. I think you'll get more out of somebody uh, when you just relate to them and be honest and true and, and courageous. Um, yeah, I think that's the biggest piece of advice I can give anybody. Uh, the other thing is, uh, be right, uh, get everything right. Uh, don't be first. Uh, I mean, be first if you can be obviously great, but, but it's more important to be, uh, correct when you're reporting on things. Um, because the last thing you want to do is issue a correction or, um, you know, com completely defame somebody or, uh, or, or just, uh, degrade a story that uh, that doesn't deserve that right so yeah like that, that's my biggest piece of advice just be be yourself be human yeah that's great, great advice. And now on the flip side of things, having the opportunity to have worked in the media and reporting for so many years, what would you say your favorite piece that you've ever produced has been? My favorite piece um, like like any topic that we're talking any about, topic. Any anything um i think one of the most it's it's up there it's one of my favorites is, is i did a documentary about a guy his name's dave proctor and he he attempted to run across canada in 66 days so he wanted to break a trans-canadian speed record so um funny enough he's he's actually started up again and he's he's trying to do it again but the first time around back in 2018 um, he, uh, he's from, he's from a small town, uh, in just outside of Calgary called Okotoks. And, uh, he, he's a really great ultra marathon runner. He started out in, uh, in Vancouver Island, uh, Victoria, 
and his goal was to run all the way to St. John's, Newfoundland, across the entire country, raising money for his uh, his son, who has a rare, rare disease, and raising more awareness for them. So I did a whole documentary, a 30-minute feature on his story, uh, trying to attempt to run across the country. So every single day, he would run about 100 kilometers, 110 kilometers on the Trans-Canada Highway. And uh, just the, the mental pain, the anguish that he's going through, and he's doing it for a good cause and doing it for his son. It's just a very emotional story. He ended up making it all the way to Winnipeg, so about halfway across the country before his, uh, his back started to really spasm. And unfortunately, he had to stop his race. But the entire country kind of got on board with him and ended up deciding to finish the race for him and raise money for rare diseases. So it was really cool. Everybody was like logging their own miles, uh, donating. And uh, now now four years later, uh, he's starting his journey again. He's actually completed his 10th day. He started 10 days ago in St. John's and he's going the other way across, uh, across Canada trying to break the trans-Canadian speed record. So it was just a really interesting story, but a guy, an ordinary guy who, who I obviously relate to with marathon running, um, and, uh, and just raising money for a great cause and, and meeting his children, his family, meeting the people that he has an impact on. It was just it was one of the most interesting stories I've ever covered. That's awesome. That's a really cool story. And to hear that he wasn't able to finish it, but everybody rallied behind him is just awesome and powerful. So congratulations to you on getting to report a story like that and getting to dig into all of that. And you mentioned your marathon running. That was something we talked about that I wanted to get into. So how long have you been heavily invested in distance running? Has that a, been a thing throughout a bulk of your life? Yeah, for the most part. Um, I mean, I, I started running when I was about, um, like I started doing 10Ks when I was like man, 12, 13, kind of finishing up uh, you know, junior high in the high school area. And then once I got out of high school when I was 18, I, I figured, all right, let's try let's try a marathon. And uh, and yeah, I've done, I just did my ninth marathon actually, because um, we had a little hiatus there for COVID. Um, I, I just ran it in Hamburg, Germany. So wow. it was a it was a blast. It was a lot of fun getting out there. I'm trying to qualify for Boston, but the times are very, very difficult. Um, I think for my I'm under 30, so the under 30 age group, it's under you have to run a marathon, which is 42 kilometers in uh under three hours but i think it's so competitive now that you have to run like three or four minutes below that so you have to run like two hours and 56 minutes or something and my best time is three three hours and nine minutes so i'm still quite a ways away it's really hard to shave off even a few minutes as a marathon runner but no yeah i've, I've done nine and I, I hope to do uh hope to do some more i don't know why i keep doing it it's painful but it's <laughs> Well, three hours and nine minutes is incredibly impressive. That's and just doing a marathon itself is impressive to do it oh, in that yeah. time and to be that close to the cut. So good luck to you. Hopefully you can uh, qualify for that. Um, these days. Yeah. To anybody who has never run a marathon, which is a bulk of the general population, could you kind of yeah. walk someone through what that mental battle is like across the for us twenty six point two miles for you guys? different kilometers. okay so like so like i would say like when you're running a marathon um if you like you obviously you train for it so you, you <laughs> train for like you know six to nine months a year even if you want to whatever but i would say like if it's your first marathon like the first like if there's like stages of a marathon like the first like five minutes ten minutes you're like this is great this is fine this is wonderful everything's great and then like you get like 30 minutes 40 minutes in like an hour in and you're like okay like this is like manageable, but then I want to say around like the two hour mark is when it really starts to hurt for the vast majority of people. 
and you're like maybe you're either halfway done or like you know you know maybe 75 percent of the way there and you are in so much pain and like your body like shuts down almost because your your body mm-hmm. runs on on uh you know on, on glycogen and energy and all and all those you know those fuels and you're just you're depleted and you need carbs and you need you need water you need everything mm-hmm. your muscles are starting to cramp and you hit the wall as they call it and uh it, it's it's one of those like really mental moments in your life where you're like okay like I've got 10k left but it's like the hardest 10k I've ever had to run in my life and you're like walking running trying to make it through um it's very mental it's extremely like you I start playing games in my head I start like counting to like a thousand trying to get my mind off of like you know what's going on or another thing some people like play games they do like um like I'll, I'll think of members of my family and I'll like think of like adjectives to describe them. So like, I'll think of like my dad and I'll go down the alphabet and I'll be like, he's adventurous. He's uh, bashful. He's courageous. And I'll go A, B, C, D, E. And I'll do that for every member of my family, hoping that the pain will go away. It never does. But, <laughs> but those are like games that you play in your head. And, uh, and yeah, it's just really like a roller coaster of emotions and like just raw pain, but finishing that marathon greatest feeling in the world whether it's your first one or like you know you're you're just you're trying to qualify for something it's an accomplishment and it's it's a really cool community so it's it's a lot of fun when you cross the line and you've done it nine times now does it ever get easier it never, never <laughs> easier. i mean like i if you train for it yeah like it it, it does get easier like in the <laughs> sense that like you um like for me i start to feel it now i want to say like about 30k in so like it's like before i would start to feel it like halfway in or whatever now i start to really start to feel it like and you know with like 32 33 kilometers in i've got like 10k left so you build the stamina over years and over years and, and you you get better you, to, you totally do but uh but yeah i i haven't reached like elite level status i've run with some elite like level runners i've actually run with um trevor hoffbauer who just finished uh 15th in the boston marathon wow. the best Boston Marathon time run by a Canadian ever. Um, and I think it was like 210 or something or whatever it was. It was crazy. And, uh, but these guys are just, they're animals and they, they just go and, you know, they've got this gift and they, uh, they train and they train and they train. So, I mean, and they're, and they're taller. I'm only five nine. So <laughs> maybe that's my, these are excuses that I use to obviously <laughs> justify that I'm not as fast as them, but now they're incredible athletes, right? So, yeah. Well, it's incredibly impressive. Good luck to you. Hopefully you can, uh, as I mentioned before, make that 2.56 time, which is incredibly insane. One day, we'll see. <laughs> you got to get older. That's the thing. That's the key to qualifying for Boston. The older you get, the qualifying times go up. So maybe maybe in a few years, we'll see how it goes. There you go. Um, and speaking on that little adjective game you said you play with yourself, your Calgary Flames that you uh, do a lot of reporting on now getting into game four of this series, what's an adjective you'd use to describe the state of the team right now? I don't want to say desperate, but after last game, I mean, like, okay, so, so I'll say, yeah, I mean, maybe I'll say, I'll say an adjective to describe the team, um, I say they've got a lot of fight left in them too. I don't know if that's an adjective really, but it's like they they they're a team that that will really surprise you. I think the Calgary Flames right now, um, you know, they're up against they're up against a tough opponent for sure. Like the Edmonton Oilers, they've got Connor McDavid, they've got Dry Settle, they've got a good core of guys. Obviously, even a Vander Kane who scored a, a natural hat trick last game comes out of nowhere, right? 
Um, they've got a good core of guys, but I think the problem with, uh, with Edmonton is they often don't start games very fast. And I think if Calgary can come out really fast tonight, like they did in game one and game two, um, I think they can, they can really do some damage. The thing is, um, you know, you've got to keep that lead and, and it was so hard to watch. I was actually at game one. Um, and I watched them get up. What, what was it? They were up at one point, they're up five, one. And then it goes it get to the third period and it's six, six. And you're like, holy smokes. Like, how do you let go? How do you, how do you let go of a, of a you know, of a four goal lead, a three goal lead? And it's just back and forth. They, they have to play a full 60 minutes. They got to stay out of the box too. That's one of the biggest issues is they are not good on the penalty kill is what I, what I, what I noticed when you're up against mm-hmm. Connor McDavid. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of the best power plays in the league. Right. So um, yeah, stay disciplined. I, I have a lot of faith. I think, I still think there's a better team. I think they've got more depth. Um, I mean, I'm from Calgary. Maybe I'm a little biased, but, uh, but I, but I think that they can take this to seven. I don't know if they can win at all, but I mean, we'll see. Yeah. Well, they definitely were, they showed their best foot at multiple points in this series, but it seems like, as you mentioned, once they get ahead, it's, they struggle to finish games and against some elite level talent like Connor McDavid, that's a little hard to do, but as you mentioned, they do have more depth. I, I would agree with you there than, uh, than the Oilers. The other thing about the Battle of Alberta is we haven't seen the Battle of Alberta in like 30 years. <laughs> uh, I, I, at least I wasn't alive for it. The last time it happened, I think it was like 91 or or whatever it was, um, and, uh, and and just the physicality. Like you, you know, you've got players like Matthew Kachuk on the uh, on the Flames that need to just get under the skin of, of of people like McDavid and 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 finish those hits. You've got Lucic, obviously, like after last game, the big Lucic hit. I don't know if you, you saw that uh, Lucic going after Mike Smith at the end there. Like he, I, I think he uh, he tried to let up on that play, mm-hmm. but either way, anytime you touch a goalie, I feel like goalies are just gonna flop and go crazy. So um, I imagine uh, I imagine there's gonna be a lot of bad blood in this game. It's gonna be very physical. So I think if you have a team that can stay out of the box, finish their checks though, and actually uh, you know intimidate their opponents, make them scared to come to the front of the net, I think we will have a very fun matchup coming up tonight. So um, yeah, the team that's more physical might win it all tonight, but we'll see. Well, speaking on physical, fun, a lot of gritty matchups this point in the NHL playoffs this year. Maybe the most exciting playoffs, I'd say. I know that's kind of been the sentiment over here. Um, maybe just New York with the Rangers fans. But yeah. one of the most exciting playoffs, I feel like, that there have been in the past few years. A lot of juices flowing. And especially in the Canes-Rangers series and the Battle of Alberta, there's a lot of bad blood. There's some, as you mentioned, some physicality, some feistiness right now. Do you get that sentiment that this has been one of the more exciting exciting playoffs in recent years it's been a lot of fun um yeah like you know what you've just like mentioning like your your rangers like that's been that's been that's been a lot of fun physical series to watch uh, <laughs> i was just watching tampa last night mm-hmm. they're they're one of those teams that just every year is so consistent and you 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 look at a team like florida i think florida scored the most goals ever in uh in a season they, they, they scored they scored the most goals and and they, they won 13 games straight at one point they're like an unbelievable team all year but they can't finish in the playoffs and that's that's frustrating i will add that at least florida won a playoff series um so like we've got to give it to them because they won a playoff series i think it was for the first time since their last cup run which was in 1996 
the Leafs, my Leafs, uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, have not won a series <laughs> since 04. That was painful for me to watch. Um, that was a really fun series to watch in the first round. Uh, you know, it was a little back and forth, mm-hmm. but my heart was broken when uh, they lost it in overtime in game, it was game, uh, game five or game six. I forget, I forget which one, but it was, uh, it was just heartbreaking. Like I, every year being a Leafs fan, it's like, how on earth does this keep happening? I think there's just so much pressure in the Canadian market for these players. Um, so that was a really fun series. Uh, the other team to watch this year, obviously, uh, I've been watching that Colorado series, the Colorado St. Mm-hmm. Louis. I'm just kind of going around the horn here with you. But um, Colorado is another one of those teams that has so much firepower, um, especially uh, give a shout out to Kale McCarr. He's a good Calgary boy. Um, he actually he played in the community that I grew up in, in Northwest Calgary. And watching a guy like him control the play on defense, he's unbelievable. Uh, even like uh, you got you got Kadri last night, and he got a hat trick. Like, um, and, and there's been a lot of bad blood between those two uh, those two teams with the Kadri Bennington hit. Um, unfortunately, some of those racist comments coming up against Kadri. That's I never want to see that in a game. That's been uh, completely garbage. I hate when I hate when fans bring that into it. Um, but yeah, there's been a lot of storylines. There's been a lot of excitement. It has been fun to have the fans back in the building too. Like watching these games last year with like, they had to put pump in little crowd noise in on the broadcast and mm. it was just painful, right? Like, so, yeah. so it's been fun watching this year. Yeah. From the outside looking in kind of, as we kind of see teams pull away in series so far, obviously looking at the Rangers series and the Calgary series going yeah. at it tonight with both teams really needing a win in those series to make it a little more interesting. Tampa closing, taking care of business, but the Avalanche kind of starting to pull away now. Where do you kind of feel, who do you feel like is the top dog right now? Feels like it could be a little explanatory to walk away with the cup this year. You know, I, I it's it's hard to three-peat for sure, but mm-hmm. I feel like Tampa. I don't know what it is. I feel like they, it's like they just find a way. Mm-hmm. It's like they're one of those teams that just, they, they've got such incredible goaltending. Uh, Vasilevsky stands on his head. I, I think Vasilevsky got, what, two shutouts in his last series um, when, and he let in three goals in four games. Like, that's insane, right? Steve Stamkos, um, you know, one of the best of the best. Uh, you know, you got, got gritty guys like Pat Maroon, who I don't know how this guy has two Stanley Cups, but he does. Uh, but it's 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 crazy just to see a team like that come together. And now they've got a lot of rest, too. You know, they just swept a team. They've got a little bit of time to rest and relax and just kind of watch on. Uh, watch this Rangers series uh, from from afar here. Um, I would love to see, uh, the, I, you know, obviously partial to you here, but I would love to see the, the Rangers uh, come back here. It'd be a lot of fun to see uh, to see them uh, to see them make it into the next round. But uh, but yeah, right now my front runners, oddly enough, Tampa in the East and Colorado in the West. But uh, but you can't uh, you can't discount teams like uh, can't discount teams like the Oilers and Calgary too that are coming up. So. Yeah, it's been, I'm not, I'm not really good at predictions. I wish I had one of those, like, you know, I wasn't, they, they used to make predictions with like a little monkey and like the spinning wheel in mm. Canada where the, the monkey would like spin the wheel and pick the teams. That's about as good as I am at picking these, these, uh, these playoff series, but but yeah, it's been it's been really cool. We have Jimmy Fallon letting dogs free to eat different uh, foods of uh, dog food, so similar, I guess. There. Yeah, I saw the dog this year too. There was another dog that was picking on them. Yeah, every TikTok's <laughs> crazy with all this stuff, right? So it's 
Um, in looking, I guess, at the Calgary series, just one more here. Yeah. If they can get past Edmonton, how do you think they match up with Colorado or even St. Louis? Um, you know, that's that's a tough one. It was funny because the, the head coach of the Flames, Daryl Sutter, he uh, he was dreading if they had to play Colorado in the first mm-hmm. round because he basically just said, well, we'll uh, we'll be done in four games and four games in a shower. It's you know, it's a waste of a week, mm-hmm. basically. Um, Colorado is such a good team. They're such a there. I think I, I think they've they've got such a, you know, such a good core of guys. Um, but Calgary, Calgary, this is their year. I think if they're going to do, if they're going to, to do it this year, this is the year they've got to do it. They've got such grit on the back end. Guys like uh, guys like Zadorov, all of a sudden coming up here um, on on D that are just like you know, it's just physical, adding that extra uh, impact to the game. You've got Johnny Goudreau, who has had one of the greatest seasons. Um, I was worried about Goudreau because I thought Goudreau was going to maybe, um, you know, have another maybe mediocre kind of middle of the line season and then maybe go over to New Jersey, his home, his hometown, uh, his home pro- or home state. Sorry. Um, but but this is their this is their year. I think I think matching up against a team like Colorado would be would be difficult. I think they would do maybe better against St. Louis, but who knows they've got a they've got their hands full with the yeah. Oilers right now for sure so um so yeah it'll be it'll be fun to see kind of what happens but uh but this is this Calgary team has a lot of fight in them and uh and I think they can they can pull away with this series I'm saying Calgary in seven right now that's bold but we'll see I, I'll, I'll have to see what happens tonight so. Fair enough. Well, the prediction from Mark is Tampa Bay Lightning winning the uh, cup. I guess. Well, are we going to go with that? For for you know what? Um, here's what I'll say. I'll say, I'll say Colorado, uh, Colorado, Tampa, Colorado wins it. Ooh, okay. There you go. That, I'll be nice. Uh, I I would love to see a different team win it this year. It'd be nice. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. So that's the official prediction. Now, getting into a team that's surrounded by predictions in a different sport here, one we yeah. can kind of both relate to, the New York Jets. I feel like we live off predictions. This time of the year is probably the best time to be a Jets fan, I'd say. Um, because yeah. it, once we get down to October, it usually gets a little dicey. So I, I'll go to you first with your sentiment about the New York Jets right now in a time that it seems like it's pretty optimistic. It's it's been really fun. I I feel like we won the draft, yes. and that was cool because like watching the draft, I was like, wow, okay. So we've got <laughs> Sauce, we've got uh, Garrett Wilson, we've got Jermaine uh, Jermaine Johnson, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I was like, holy, like these are these are core guys. Like we 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 need this, right? So there's a lot of optimism. Um, I'm really excited this year to see how Zach Wilson. Um, you know, I, I guess matures as a as a second year quarterback because I feel like I was listening to uh, Coach uh, Robert Saleh the other day and he was saying, um, you know, it's the third, second, and third year that really define a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, I think if he has a solid year here, like this, we, this is really make or break. Is he our guy or mm-hmm. is he not our guy? Right? It was like the whole. It's like Sam Darnold 2.0 basically for me. But um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of optimism. I'm excited to see how these uh, these wide receivers do. Watching Elijah Moore last year was a lot of fun, um, and and seeing uh, even like uh, like what like Mims and and and, and Garrett now. So you've got. Got a lot of fun there. Corey Davis, if he stays healthy, would be fun to watch mm-hmm. this year. Um, we did lose Crowder, but I think uh, I think we've got a lot of like fun fun wide receivers. And mm-hmm. then on the back end, yeah, we've got we've got Sauce. Um, 
uh, Mosley, uh, who's always fun to watch. He's a, he's a rough and tough guy. So, uh, yeah, I, I can't wait to watch the New York Jets this year. But I will say this. Um, anything less than 500 this year, for me, is a failed season. I need to see them win some games this year. So I'm excited to see them at least hopefully break 500. Come on. Yeah, I think uh, I think getting to a eight and nine or even a seven and ten. Yeah. Would, no, you know? you're, you're not going to set it there. You want to see better than that? I, I said, yeah, no, seven, oh, right. seven would be great. I, I, you know what? <laughs> just anything like me and my brother, we always have a bet every year, and we we joke around because we're both Jets fans, mm-hmm. and we we say, hey, my my brother gave me four wins this year. He's like, I'll give you four, and it's like over under on four, and it's like, come on, we just. Win some games. It's always fun to watch. But what? How have you? How did you become a Jets fan? By the way, obviously you grew. I just kind of curious about your story. I always wonder how people came to cheer for this mediocre club. Uh, but <laughs> how did you become a Jets fan? Well, you set me up good there because that was going to be my question to you, a Calgary boy being a Jets fan. But for me, uh, my grandfather was a diehard Jets fan. So from doing those Sunday conversations, he lived out in Florida. So our Sunday football conversations, he kind of groomed me to be a Jets fan and uh, succumbed me to this uh, disastrous franchise at points. But uh, So I've always been a diehard fan. Um, I kind of lucked out at the start because I really got to see the Mark Sanchez era and that good era of football from 2009, 2010. And then it went downhill. Then we had the Fitz magic year, which was really fun. <laughs> Thought we were going to the playoffs. No Buffalo crushed that dream. Yeah. And then the Sam Darnold years now too. This is probably the most optimistic though. I've probably been as a Jets fan in the past few years. I'd say in the last 10 years, like, like you say, um, even, uh, yeah, like watching, watching like 2010, I think it was when we beat the Patriots. I think that was the mm-hmm. last time we beat the Patriots. It was the Bart Scott. Yeah. Can't wait <laughs> moment. It was, that was so, that was so exciting. That was like such exciting football. Um, but, but yeah, no, you, we, we've gone through it all. It seems right. So oh, yeah. have you been out to MetLife by the way? Have you been to yes. Home so I've been to uh, a couple MetLife games. Um, I was there for the one game when Gino threw a bunch of picks and, uh, pretty much everybody left, but, uh, I've been out there a couple of times. Have you been out there? I've been once. Um, I actually went, uh, it was actually just before or COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was November of 2019. I went for my my 25th birthday, went Very to cool. MetLife, uh, was New York Jets, New York Giants. Ooh, so it was a great, it was a, a fun little, uh, little rivalry game. The Jets actually won, so that was fun to watch too. So uh, great atmosphere at those games. Too. Yeah. Like it's, uh, there, there's, a good, uh, there's a good vibe at those games, a lot better than, uh, I mean, I, I mean I, uh, people here in Canada, we watch Canadian football. Mm-hmm. It, it's nowhere near. Not the like, same. Like, not even close. <laughs> no. So, yeah, it was a great atmosphere. So how does a Calgary boy become a New York Jets fan? How did you – because I had to kind of choose this life. My grandpa being in New York yeah. too, being – grew up here. Why? Why? What led that? So, so a couple couple things. Um, I guess my, my brother and I growing up, we were uh, – we, we would watch football on Sundays and we're Italian – so mm-hmm. you know, uh, it, we, obviously we've uh, we like watching like The Sopranos and like all those like fun you know crime shows or whatever. But we're you know, we're a very Italian family, and we loved. Uh, it was at the time Vinny Testaverde. Mm-hmm. It was a quarterback in uh, it was two thousand one, two thousand two, or whatever it was. And we kind of just like latched on to him. We were like, "Come on, Vinny!" Like it was just a quarterback named Vinny. We were like, "This guy's good. He's got huge arms. He's just like you know." <laughs> but it was uh, during like the Bill Parcells era. Um, and we just kind of latched onto the team and we ended up just cheering for the team forever for the, like the last 20 years. So it's, 
it's been fun ever since then. Um, uh, it, it was it was like heartbreaking to watch him get injured. I think it was in like 2002. Mm-hmm. That was the that was like their year, I think. And then uh, you know watching the them just kind of you know flutter their way in and. Um, but yeah, really got into it. Like you said, during the Mark Sanchez days Mm -hmm. and, uh, and when they, when they like beat the Pats, went to the conference finals against the Steelers Mm -hmm. law, I think it was the Steelers, right? And they, or it was the, was it was the Steelers or the Colts or either way we lost. Um, (laughs) but it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was just like, it was really one of those things that we would kind of all bond over on a Sunday. My brother now lives in Toronto. Um, so obviously not too far from, uh, Buffalo and, and New York mm-hmm. area. So there's a lot of like Jets and Bills fans out there too. So every time I go visit him, like we always try to, you know, we we'll watch a game or whatever. We might go, we try to go down to Buffalo or whatever it is, but yeah. So it's just, it's stayed in our family. So it's been fun. So because of the Italian connection, you got screwed and became a Jets fan. And now, Unfortunately, uh, yeah. <laughs> now you're stuck with this, but <laughs> and hey. you know, as, as much as it was tough because all my friends are like huge Tom Brady fans. Mm-hmm. They're like, Oh, Patriots. There's that. And I'm just like, <laughs> you know, if we, oh man, if we would have had Tom Brady, I would have, I would have threw him in the face too. I mean, this guy's a goat, <laughs> but like, it's just, yeah. Well, here's to more optimism as we look to yeah. this year and a bright future. It's been, it's been fun. It's, it's actually, I find it more fun to cheer for an underdog anyway, yes. because it's like, it's like that, like unsuspecting. You're like, Oh my God, we won. You're like, <laughs> Oh my, it's just like that, that really excite That's excitement that gets you coming and coming back for more. Um, yeah. Let's hope for a good year. I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm not like, I'm cautiously optimistic, but, but yeah, that's a good go way to put it. That's a, that's a success for me this year. So, cautiously, yeah. cautiously optimistic. I think that's a really good yeah. way to describe it, but yes. so yeah. final two questions here two that I always ask every guest that comes on this podcast. Okay. The first one is a little heavier and it is when it's all said and done, what do you want your legacy to have been? Ooh, Wow. That is a hard hitting question. Like my legacy and okay, wow. When it's all said and done, um, I think I want people to know me as somebody who was somebody who was honest. And that's a weird thing to say, I guess, but it's like somebody who just told the truth, who was uh who was real. Uh, because I think the hardest thing in life is you're surrounded by, and I'm gonna get really philosophical here, but you're surrounded by social media and people selling you this and that and the other thing. And there's not often a lot of just people that are just, I find that I meet that are real, like a real conversation like you and I are having right now. It's, mm-hmm. it's wonderful. I like that. Um, it, it, it's fun to do podcasts. It's fun to like in, engage with people and interact with people to be known as just someone that's genuine, that's real, that's honest, um, that did their very best. And that that made an impact of some sort in their in their life, uh, whether it was through telling their story, um, seeking out their truth, getting it out to the world. Um, like when I tell stories in, in broadcast journalism, like my goal is to evoke change in any way, right? If I can touch uh, my if if my story can touch just one person, it's cliche. But if I can touch just one person with my story, that means that my job has been done, right? Or if I can. If I can, you know, make somebody believe that, okay, like, you know, this is a real issue that's happening in our community. We need to do something about X, Y, Z. That is, that's real journalism and, and telling both sides of the story. And that's why, you know, you get a lot of, um, we, you know, both, we go through a lot of, um, of harassment now with, with the mainstream media, people saying, oh, you're fake news, you're this, you're that, the other thing. Um, the, the number one way to combat that 
is to tell both sides of the story. Be real, like tell every angle of the story, whether it's some COVID conspiracy that you want to dive into. Like, let's actually get to the root of it. Let's let's make people understand what what it is that they're they're um, they're they're believing on Facebook versus what it is that's actually factually happening. So, I think that's a really long answer to your question. But but yeah, being real, honest, and genuine. I think that's that's what I would want people to know me for. That's a fantastic answer. That's really kind of gets to the core of why a lot of people want to get involved in journalism. And that's an example of why they're good people needed in journalism like yourself. So very, very cool answer. And now on a completely different stratosphere, a much okay. more lighthearted question. If you could be any kind of boat, what kind of boat would you be and why? Any kind of boat? Yes. Oh, wow. That's a, okay, that's a, that's, a, that's a super random question. Um, uh, any kind of boat and why? Um... I don't know, like a cruise ship, because I've never been on a cruise ship, but I, I know that they've got like water slides and they've got all like, they've got like a dining, like, you know, the, the buffets and the shows and whatever. I feel like, uh, I feel like that because I'm like a, a, a jack of all trades, a master of none. I think that's, there you go. So I, I know a little bit about a lot of different things, but I'm not like a master of any single one of them. Like that's, that would that best describe me as a journalist. Um, you know, there's so many different topics that I report on from crime, city hall, uh, you know, sports, whatever it is. And, uh, you, you know, a little bit about everything. And, uh, and, and yeah, as long as you know a little bit about everything, you get to delve into a story and you can tell that story. So, yeah. Fair enough. That's a pretty good answer. And probably some of the most thought anybody's probably ever given to what it. Do, what do other people say? Do you ask those questions to everyone? I, everybody gets that question. And most of the time I get a yacht, uh, especially when talking to a lot of athletes, they go, yeah, 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 I definitely want to be a yacht or uh, yeah. I get sailboat. Sailboat's been a popular one in the past, gained some traction. I got a pontoon boat once, so it's a good variety. Interesting. Wow. Well, <laughs> well that's uh, that's a very. I, I didn't really. I, I never even thought of that. So no, that's a very interesting <laughs> question. I'll have to I'll have to put that one in my portfolio. So. All right, I'll take it. So, Mark, before we wrap up here and Zoom kicks us off, um, where where can people find you? Social media, CTV, any of that jazz. Yeah, I'm on uh, I'm on on Twitter uh, at CTV Mark Villani, so M A R K V as in Victor I L L A N I. I'm also on Instagram. Uh, I think it's Mark underscore Villani, and uh, and and yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. I'm on all those fun things, but mostly on mostly on Twitter and and Instagram. Um, and uh, and yeah, any of those regular social media platforms. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Mark, it was an absolute pleasure having you on. That was the great Mark Villani. Thanks so much, Dylan. Pleasure to be on the podcast. My thanks again to Mark Villani for taking the time to come on Ambitious. It was a privilege to sit down with him. A great guy and an even better reporter, if that's even possible. So good at what he does. I know he mentioned his Twitter. Go check him out there. Go check him out on YouTube. His stand-ups and some of his reporting is just fantastic. Mark really cares about what he's doing. He, as he mentioned, is an honest, genuine human being, which is so incredibly needed in journalism as a whole and that's really vital so please support mark and all he does and if you liked this episode continue to listen to more ambitious with dylan price listen to some of our old episodes we had a good run there with tom hannafin on we had the guys at the lion legacy podcast on and we also had anna camden nittany lion hooper on so really some fantastic guests we got some really cool guests lined up for this summer and i'm really excited to get back on the grind and pump out some content for you guys so i hope you have a fantastic week sorry 
sorry. And as always, follow us on at Ambitious Podcast on Instagram. Twitter is at Ambitious with DP and YouTube is Ambitious with Dylan Price. Have a fantastic week. As I mentioned, Ambitious listeners, and we'll see you next week.